Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and I'm here with Beth Diemer. She's our Director of Affiliate Services here at Heartbeat International, and uh, we have a special guest with us. We have Brad Emler, and we're so glad to have both of you with us today. Uh, we're talking about adoption today, and that is one of the topics that we will be talking about at our um, upcoming annual Heartbeat Conference, which is happening in Salt Lake City, Utah this April. And in addition to the in-person conference, there are also virtual options and bundled virtual and in-person options. So I would encourage you all to check out those opportunities at heartbeatservices.org. I will also link to that in the show notes. So we are excited for that coming up and um, great to be talking about adoption today with Beth and Brad. So I will turn things over to you guys to get us started. Thank you, Christine. It's good to be here once again at Pregnancy Help Podcast, one of my favorite places to be. And I'm excited this morning to have Brad Emler with us. Brad has been a good friend for many years and someone I've had the privilege to interact with in a lot of different venues. Um, I think, Brad, our first uh, interaction was around the issue of post-abortion recovery and healing. But through the years, you've had a lot of roles and we've had the privilege at Heartbeat to collaborate with you. So why don't you just... Uh, help our listeners understand a little bit about your background and um, the things that you're involved in currently. Well, first off, uh, Christine, Beth, thanks for having me. It's a joy and an uh, honor and privilege to be with you. And so thanks for opening this door to have an opportunity to talk about adoption. Um, for those that do know me, I've been involved in the pro-life community for a little over 25 years now. And my first introduction was back in 98 with Peggy Hartshorn um, and Virginia Klein. And I just remember the welcoming um, uh, that I received. And so that's a uh, heartbeat's always uh, been a, a part of my life and something that I've been fond of. And so um, for the past 25 years, the majority of that, I was engaged in running the American Pregnancy Association. That's where most people know me is trying to reach new and different women and get them plugged into the life-affirming uh, resources that were available through pregnancy centers, maternity homes, adoption agencies, etc. For the past um, three years, I've been engaged in trying to advance adoption from a biblical and Christian perspective. It all started um, actually, 20 years ago, when I was in the process, uh, actually 23 years ago, in the process of adopting my son, and it turned out to be in a relationship through a pregnancy center. It happened to be one of Heartbeat's centers. And I believe God chose my wife and I because I was in the movement and I knew how things were supposed to work. And something wasn't right. And I started digging and discovered that there was an attorney on the board of this adoption or this pregnancy center and was funneling everything through her cells. And so I called Peggy because it was a heartbeat center and Peggy uh, got involved uh, to challenge that pregnancy center to bring things in alignment with ethics and really reprimanded that adoption agency because they were really um, for all practical purposes, selling babies. There were multiple people in the hands with hands in the cookie jar trying to get funds off that baby. Coming out of that, I was like, the world of Christian adoptions has to be better than this. 
I bought the domain name christianadoptions.org and started building something, discovered good Christian agencies doing good Christian work. And I kind of felt like God said, not now. And so I put it on hold. I built a website, let it sit there. 23 years, 20 years later, I'm sitting in South Africa getting ready to leave South Africa to go to Uganda to teach another group of pastors on the sanctity of human life. And I test positive for COVID. So I get quarantined in South Africa. And while I'm there, Jarrell, current president of Heartbeat, texted me and said, hey, did you see what happened with said agency? And I hadn't quickly jumped online and discovered that one of the leading Christian agencies had made the decision that they would be placing children in the homes of LGBTQ families. And so now I'm quarantined with that information. And so I just start wrestling with God and saying, you know, my heart, you know, my passion, you know, my commitment. And during those prayers, uh, what I felt like he said was it wasn't then because it's now. Called Jarrell back and said, here's what I'm thinking. And he said, you know what? We need this. Heartbeat wants to be a part of that conversation. I called Focus on the Family and Robin said, this is exactly what Focus wants to be engaged with. We want to be a part of that conversation. So three years ago, not quite, but almost three years ago, we launched the Christian Adoptions Alliance with the mission of promoting adoption from a biblical and Christian perspective, making sure that babies land in the homes of Christian families. That's awesome. And uh, I know that I'm excited because I currently get to be Heartbeats representative with that group. And I'm really looking forward to uh, working with uh, what you're doing and what God has uh, for that alliance. So I remember the year, Brad, that you at the Heartbeat Conference were able to tell your own adoption story and your birth mom was there with you. It was one of the absolute highlights as I think back over our conferences. It was such a compelling and dynamic uh, presentation with just God written all over it. And I loved it. And I'm glad, hey, I really, I could be a very formal and call you Dr. Imler, right? Because your background, uh, you have a PhD and I know you're uh, trained in the counseling world, which is my background too. So let's just uh, give creds where creds are due, huh? Um, so let's talk about adoption. I think post row. Um, the whole adoption subject has taken on new facets and new dimensions. And I think our um, centers are sort of exploring uh, what what does that look like now? What How does this change things? So a lot of times it's really good to start at the beginning, go back to basics. Let's talk about biblical adoption. We'll start there and build that foundation. Um, what does God's word have to say about adoption? Dr. Brad? Uh, well, let's lose the doctor and let's just uh, go with Brad. But thanks, Beth, for that uh, recognition. I appreciate it. Um, you know, when you look at uh, a search on adoption history um, on Google and Wikipedia, et cetera, the first thing that shows up is adoption occurring in uh, the Roman Empire. And when you continue to look at all the different um, milestones that happen in moving adoption forward, the thing that is always missing is the aspect of what does the Bible say? Because the very first adoption 
was done by God. He chose adoption as the pathway to rescue Moses. We all know the story, basket in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter um, finds the baby and raises Moses. And from the, one of the things that most people don't recognize is that God foresaw everything about adoption in that circumstance right there. First off, he uses adoption to save lives. But secondly, it was the first open adoption. It was the first interracial adoption, not just the first adoption. And so that's the first thing that I found um, as an adopted child myself growing up in a Christian home is what did the Bible say? And when I discovered uh, those words, I thought that was pretty exciting that being like Moses um, is pretty cool. But I wanted to know more. And so as I looked at the Bible, the, the, the passage that meant the most to me, Beth, was Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five, where the Bible says, tells me that not only was I chosen, but that I was adopted. And so when I um, am in a Christian group, I'll ask people, how many of you are adopted? And it's amazing how many hands don't go up. And so we say, all right, we need to do some evangelism here. And then they all get it and recognize, okay, yes, I'm adopted as well as a believer in Jesus Christ. Those were the two passages that spoke the most to me, but there's other adoption elements in the Bible, uh, Samuel and Eli. And here you see a birth mother choosing adoption for her baby. She made a commitment to God. I will place this baby. I will choose. And she did so. Of course, then... Uh, we see um, Mordecai and Esther, kinship adoption. We see Joseph and Jesus. And you could call that stepfather adoption if you want, but um, relative adoption. And then, of course, the most important adoption in the Bible is God choosing adoption as the, one of the pathways, as the pathway that he brings us into his family through the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is rich. Um, on adoption, and we ought to leverage that in our thinking, in our philosophies uh, when we're doing pregnancy center work. Because if we're not talking about adoption, we're forgetting something that God might have in a plan for that person's life. Yeah, such a good point, Brad. And um, I, I just recently had the opportunity uh, at the Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster. Uh, Pennsylvania to see the Moses production and that the way they tell Moses's adoption story at the beginning of the show is really really well done and it shows you know what God knew would happen um, when that basket went in the river it, it was it was just such a great depiction of that story and so um, we we do understand that the Bible has um, the foundation for adoption, the value of adoption that we can learn from. Um, but the interesting thing is living in the world that we live in, even though we have that biblical foundation, sometimes we also have some bias uh, due to maybe our lack of knowledge or a misunderstanding or for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, our own experience. And that can come into play, especially when you are uh, advocating, helping to advocate for a woman in a pregnancy center who is thinking about or has the opportunity to think about 
uh, making a placement for her child. I remember years ago, since you and I go back in this movement a long time, when Kurt Young did a study about um, bias and looking at uh, how this plays out within a pregnancy center. Um, but let's let's pause here for a minute. Let's talk about um, bias and and how that plays in uh, to this topic. You know, I think just a quick um, connection to history, Beth. You referenced the study with Kurt Young, and I was I was part of that review process. And the study itself wasn't on bias, but it was on adoption. Why it was missing? You know, why was it only accounted for as one percent of the unplanned pregnancies? And bias um, turned out to be one of the reasons, uh, one of the leading reasons for that challenge. And so, um, like you said, education um, was started, um, uh, centers ebb and flow, you know, with the with addressing adoption. I believe the study was updated in 2012. Don't cite that specific year, but um, unfortunately, um, Heartbeat found that nothing had changed. You know, it was, you know, fairly consistent. And for the most part, there's no evidence that things have changed since then, that bias is still there. And it is. Um, and we all have bias. Every one of us has bias. It's just a matter of what is it and how much is it affecting what we do and how we do it. Uh, you know, when we were adopting my son, you know, it was a wonderful Christian family. The parents were supportive of the mom. They were affluent. And, you know, my wife and I were like, how could this family be placing a child for adoption? That's bias. That's us interjecting our thoughts on that circumstance versus recognizing that for them, it was about God and, and obedience to what he was calling them to do. So we all have bias. It's not a matter of do you or don't you. It's what is it and how is it affecting what you do? Um, bias is, is there. Um, how does it happen? Previous adoption experiences. Um, misconceptions, uh, troubling news. Um, when we see the uh, adopted child um, molested and it comes out in the news and all of a sudden now we think all adopted children are molested. Um, and then, of course, fear. Fear is a big one. Fear of the unknown. I see that on both the birth mom side and on the uh, prospective adoptive parents side. It's fear of the unknown. What's that going to be like? And so bias is there. Uh, we know it's in this in the center and that's not throwing darts at them. It's just, I mean, we all have it. It's, and so we then we have to, if we have it, then we need to be cognizant and we need to create questions. Um, if I'm a, if I'm a client services director, executive director, I, I just want to be evaluating what are the biases in my center and how are they revealing themselves when it comes to the education and counsel that a woman receives. Um, they're there and they're always going to be there, which means we have to keep adoption at the forefront. It's not a once a year topic. It's a quarterly, monthly, you know, uh, consistent conversation in the same way we need to be praying without ceasing. We need to be talking adoption <laughs> without ceasing if we want it to, to be, uh, to have the opportunity 
to show itself as God might have uh, as a plan in that child, in that woman's life. It's such a great reminder, Brad, um, just the idea that it, it needs to stay top of mind. We don't want it to do the ebb and flow thing. Uh, and it's it's important. It's a, a, a vital part of what we do in pregnancy help. And so it leads us to talk about how. How do we do that? How do we present adoption in a modern world, in a post-row uh, world, um, with bias going on, right? We've acknowledged it's there. How do we do that? How are we effective in presenting adoption? Well, there's a, a few different ways to go about it. And you know, depending on the conversation, one of the ways that I most frequently do it is just from a straight out assumptive um, introduction perspective and seeking to overcome even even in the process of making my introduction i'm seeking to overcome some of the biases or misconceptions that she might have and so i may say something along the lines of i don't know what you know about adoption but things have changed you are now in the driver's seat and you get to choose the family that you give to your baby you get to choose if it's an open or closed adoption you get to choose if you'll have interaction or contact, you know, in the future and be able to see that baby grow up. And so something along those lines, you know, uh, overcoming that misconception that she'll never know her baby, overcoming that misconception um, that she's a bad mother. She's, you know, in charge. She's choosing. She's empowered. And so depending on what she does will then depend on, from that statement. Um, will depend on then how I navigate the continued conversation. Another approach is what I call the options approach. And, you know, she comes in, whether she's asking, you know, abortion-minded or um, uncertain, you know, abortion-vulnerable. I I put the onus on me that my job is to talk about her options. And so I'll say, you know, I need to talk to you about all three options. Um, which are, you know, parenting, placing, and abortion, which one do you want to talk about first? And so then I've created an expectation that we're going to talk about all three. So I kind of warm warm her up to the idea that we're going to talk about adoption. And so she'll more than likely, uh, if she's abortion-minded or vulnerable, say, I want to talk about abortion. And of course, I'll do what I would routinely do um, in addressing, you know, abortion education. But then move into, you know, what does parenting look like? And then what does, you know, adoption look like? But I'm going to make sure she has the information she needs to make an educated decision. You know, Federica Matthews Green, if I can just detour a little bit, um, uh, Beth uh, did research years ago and and she put it in the book, Real Choices. And in that she did a a study looking uh, with talking with women who had had an abortion. So these are women who had an abortion. And in that, they gave these two stats. One of them was 70% said they did not have enough information prior to making their decision. 67% said they would not have if, for whatever various reasons. To me, those two stats create the mission of the pregnancy counselor. What are those ifs and what can we do to meet them? And to make sure she doesn't have all the, or to make sure she has all the information she needs to make an educated decision. 
then it's in her hands. It's just like evangelism. We're not, we're not responsible for saving somebody's life. We're just called to tell them about Jesus. Then it's the Holy Spirit and God and that person deciding what they're going to do. And it's the same thing with, with an unplanned pregnancy. Our job is just to give her all the information, give her all the support, and then it's in her hands. That's what I love, Brad, about our core training uh, at Heartbeat, using the love approach, because those steps, the breakdown of love into L-O-V and E, right, L being listen and learn, can tell you so much, like you were saying about when you first introduced the subject, right, hearing her story, hearing how she uh, perceives adoption or thinks about adoption, I love that you brought up the the Frederica Matthews Green uh, stuff because it makes me think about the Kinney research that was done also years ago. But it's um, it, the results were really the idea that women see their unplanned pregnancy of having three choices. Right? They uh, they can parent, they can place for adoption, or they can have an abortion and Uh, Of those three choices, they see adoption as the greatest evil. None of them are good in their minds, but the worst is adoption because they say, not only would I have to endure an unplanned pregnancy and be a mother, which they don't want to do, uh, but I would be a bad mother who gives my child away. And that's their perception of adoption. Um, But with the love approach, because you do start with listening and you let her tell her story, you can see and evaluate how much does she buy into that that thinking, right? And then the next step, oh, open options, you can use what she's told you, right? Let her lead the conversation and open options accordingly. But the next step, uh, Brad, which is my favorite step, the V, vision and value, is helping her see it differently, helping her to understand exactly what you just said. Okay, so thank you because you there there you hit the um, the nail on the head for me on the next um, approach because what I want her to do is think differently, and when I'll when I'll let her know there's four different parenting options. Which ones are you leaning towards? She gets a puzzled look on her face. What do you mean there's four? And so you can then talk about well you can get married and parent that child together. You can remain separately and raise that child together. You can say goodbye to him and be a single parent. Or the fourth option is you can choose the parents that you give to your baby. And so, uh, but getting her to pause, that's so often one of our objectives in that counseling room is getting her to slow down, getting her to pause and to think differently. And so it's one of the things I like about that approach is um, because it causes her pause. What do you mean? There's four parenting options. You know, there's, there's only one. It's like, no, uh, there's at least four. And you could divide the fourth one um, into different, you know, choosing someone to temporarily parent your child as you finish school or choosing permanent adoption. So. Yeah. And, you know, uh, thinking differently and the idea that you brought up the pause that when we train in the love approach and we go through the V-step, 
we talk about the fact that the pause uh, is usually an indicator that you're making a good connection with that client, right? You get her to um, say, hmm, like we uh, we talk about Amen. listening for the hmm, like I'm starting to see this maybe isn't exactly the way I think it is. And then our last indicator is often tears, which then, you know, there's some real below the surface thinking going on there. Um, but but that's the beauty of having that adoption option, top of mind all the time, talking about it, right? Because you don't know where it's going to go, but with these good practices and good care for this woman, helping her to not say, I don't have a choice and to see it differently and, and to understand the beauty of adoption and what a mature, what a sacrificial decision that it is, um, just empowers her and it, and it helps her to see her value and being able to do that, do that good in her life, a kind of a redemptive choice uh, out of her circumstances. You know, the majority of women who change their mind on adoption do it at the last minute. Some change, you know, all along the spectrum, but many change when that baby arrives in the hospital. Um, One of the things that, you know, we talked about that Kurt Young piece, and it was actually titled Adoption, the Missing Piece. One of the things that I see on many of the pregnancy center, what do you call them, uh, annual reports, you know, and and communications, you know, to their boards and, and donors is not acknowledging an adoption referral. That's a successful piece of education. Whether she places or not is not indicative of whether that was successful or not. A referral for more adoption information is a successful outcome. That's so true. That's brilliant, Brad. It really is. And it's but we don't hear it. We don't hear yeah. it from the yeah. from the pulpit, so to speak. Um yeah. from the stage. Well, and that's where, as we start to wrap this up a little bit, that's where good training uh really comes in and being able to introduce the fact that that should be a metric. Uh, that they're tracking. Um, And I know that CAA uh, offers training um, along the way, and we are going to make sure that there's good training uh, as we go to Salt Lake City this year. I know we've set aside and designated a whole day in our in-depth day for you to present um, the adoption option, and um, there'll be more information on that coming out soon. But that's something that we certainly encourage our centers to take advantage of and to explore and go deeper with us on the things that we've talked about here today. So um, you heard it here first, guys. It's coming soon, and you need to check heartbeatservices.org and our conference page to find out more information. Brad, any um, closing thoughts or comments before we let our listeners go? You know, we are doing, you know, regional trainings um, through the Christian Adoptions Alliance and with our partnership with Focus on the Family, which will be quite similar um, to what we present, you know, at the heartbeat in-depth day. We just did our first two um, in Texas, one in Dallas and one in Houston. And one of my favorite comments was from a, a pregnancy center director who knew me and she was kind of coming out of a relationship standpoint. And 
but she came uh, with the mindset of going, what in the world are they going to talk about adoption for seven hours? And then she left saying, this could have been two days. This was so good. Every center should go through this training. Nice. And so not to give a plug for the in-depth day at the Heartbeat Conference, but um, every center ought to come be a part. And so. Plug away, we'll, Brad, plug away. We'll, we'll have fun too. That's a, that's a promise is we'll have fun. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for being here today and for having this conversation. I appreciate you and your major contributions that you've made in pregnancy help along the way and the great model that your own life and your family has been. I hope you have um, enjoyed uh, having the conversation as well. I know you probably have because it's your passion, but thanks for being here. Again, a joy, a privilege, and an honor. Beth, happy to, happy to be here and, and to champion something that I think is very important to God. All right, Christine, we're going to turn it back over to you. Thank you, Beth. And thank you, Brad, for talking to us about adoption. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm glad that we can keep it going through the in-depth day training that you'll be leading for us on Tuesday, April 23rd. That's the day before our conference. We have a full day of training on a particular topic, which could be adoption, fundraising, the love approach. There's a whole list here I'm looking at at heartbeatservices.org. So I would encourage listeners to check that out. Click on the in-person registration to see more of those opportunities. And uh, we'll have the workshops up there because the rest of the conference includes a variety of workshop tracks that you can attend throughout the day. We're going to have some really great keynotes and networking opportunities. So stay tuned to heartbeatservices.org for more information on that. Registration is open. We have virtual options um, as we have in the past. There's some new bundles that are included this year. So check out how you can get all of your team members involved in some way. Um, I will link to that in the show notes. And with that, I would encourage you to subscribe. We will have more coming your way very soon. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.